All right, Ali Atkinson, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. This is a uh, Saturday morning. Um, where are you coming from? I'm actually right now in Orlando, Florida. Orlando, do you live there? Yeah, I just moved there after retirement. <laughs> okay, nice, nice. Yeah. Well, listen, I've, I've been wanting to have you on for a while, but now you announce your retirement. I guess we've got a lot to talk about, but uh, congratulations on a fantastic career. Thank you. It's been a long run, but thank you. It's been a long run. Yeah, I was looking through your bio. I was like, wow, it has been a long run. I mean, we actually competed at a, at a couple of events uh, at the same time. So that's yeah, that surprise me. been around for a while. But um, So 2004 Olympics, you swam mm -hmm. the 50 free. I did. I did. Oh, yeah. I Growing up, I was more of a freestyler and flyer, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, bummer. I mean, you should have stuck with that. The 50 free is where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, 2006 Commonwealth Games in uh, my hometown in Melbourne there. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty, I'm still pretty young, um, but it was a good one. Good to experience yeah. Australia. Yeah. Have you been there much apart from that that one? Um, Again in Gold Coast, and that was about oh, it. All right, yeah, that was uh, what, 2014 at the, uh, yeah. was that Did you go to Pampax? No, we don't go to Pampax. It was Commonwealth. Oh, it was Commonwealth. So, so yeah. that was uh, 2018? 2018, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful place though, the Gold Coast. It was nice. I got to yeah. hold my koala, so we're all good. Oh, you did? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, listen, I was, I was, as I was saying, I was looking through it and you're kind of in a lot of minorities. You're in the minority of the minority of the minority. All right, let, let me, hear me out. Here's, here's the thing that I was looking at, right? First of all, <laughs> you're a female swimmer over the age of 30. There's not many of them around. Sure. Sure. So you did you did well uh, extending your career there, and I, and I want to talk about how you managed to do that, extend it, because I think there's going to be more and more people following your footsteps. You're also a 12-time world championship medalist, so 10 world short course and two long course world yeah. champ. I mean, that's that's pretty rare in itself as well. Um, you're a black female swimmer, obviously we can we can see, and uh, th that's a minority as well. And you're from yeah. Jamaica. Not yeah. many Jamaicans on the world yeah. stage either. And uh, were you the first black uh, female uh, world champion in history? I was the first black swimmer, actually, male or female. I thought really? Colin had gotten it, but no, um, oh, not Colin, on a relay. Colin just got on a relay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, do, I mean, does this, how does this make you feel when you hear these types of things? When it was happening, I don't think I actually acknowledged it at the time. It was more of a checkbox type thing and move on to see what else I can do in the sport because I didn't know how long I was actually going to stay in the sport. Mm -hmm. But now when it's all finished and looking back, it's just, it's overwhelming. I didn't really think I had so many accolades until I look back and start to just realize each and every one of them. And it's, it's cool to have that to look back on, especially when everything is done. Have I done enough? Um, do I still need to do more anytime I feel, am I going to get that excitement again? Um, I can look back on those videos and see I did mm -hmm. have that excitement. I did have my time and it was fun. Is there any one particular thing you're most proud of? I think it's the perseverance. Um, not just staying in the sport for this long, but going through the ups and downs, um, the training regiments, moving all around the different places, um, financially, um, being on my own at some of the World Cups. Like, there were so many times where it was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. But I remembered my goal and what I wanted to do for that year and the next four years for Olympics. So I stuck through it. And I think that's really my, my testament that I have to myself. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Jamaica, so I know the, the country very well and, and the challenges that you've faced are uh, extraordinary in terms of the results that you've got. Um, not the type of person you are, for sure. The many incredible people in Jamaica that have the desire and the wish to want to be as successful as you, but it's it's very, very difficult, yeah. you know, because they don't have the resources necessarily. But um, I saw that you grew up in St. James Parish. Is that right? Yeah, St. Andrew. Well, yeah. Oh, St. Andrew? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Is that uh, is that near Montego Bay? No, it's on the other side. I'm, it's closer to Kingston. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm within the city. Okay, so you so you grew up near the pool in Kingston? Yes. Yeah, it was about 20, 25 minutes. Um, okay. Yeah, near the National Stadium in Kingston. I was going to say, like, uh, if anyone knows Jamaica, it's like there's only one really decent 50-meter pool in, in Jamaica, right? Yeah, the rest of them are private, um, whether it's used to the university um, or hotels. So you don't really get access to those. So you have the YMCA's and um, the National Stadium. And then there was a few pools that came about in the in the latter years. But um, the financial aspect and the knowledge and the education to keep it running, um, mm. we just don't have it. So it just it fizzled out. Why was it swimming for you? Because the majority of uh, Jamaicans are very good at running. Why was it swimming for you? <laughs> We actually started in uh, track, not me personally, my family. Um, okay. My uncle on my father's side, he went to 1992. Ooh, don't quote me on that. But he went to Olympic semifinals in the 100 and 10 medals. Oh, okay. um, yeah, my father is a big um, discus and field event and sprinter as well. So my family is track and field regardless. Mm. But I think we're all around sporting family. Um, and my parents actually knew what it was to learn how to swim at a young age. Um, my father knew how to swim. Uh, my mother learned um, in her adult uh, adult times. And I think for, for them, it was getting their children into the water to learn as a safety precaution. Um, no matter what happens, at least they knew how to swim. And for us, it kind of just continued into more of a summer lessons and then continuing mm -hmm. on throughout throughout the years. So I guess- Even that, that's pretty rare though, like to, to have that mentality of um, wanting to learn to swim because there, there is kind of like a fear of the water in Jamaica, even though you're a small island is surrounded mm -hmm. by water, not a lot of Jamaicans swim, right? It, you really have to do more research to say if it's a fear or just the lack of education and knowledge or just the want. Um, if right. you don't want to learn how to swim, well, I'm just not going to go near the water. Simple mm -hmm. as that. Um, swimming is still a very uh, financially high sport, but even learning to swim, it's not something that can be easily accessible for everybody on the country. You need right. to find a pool, um, either find a piece of the, the ocean that's still, you need to find an instructor, you need to do all of this. And then financially, it becomes a lot. So a lot of people just don't bother with it right, um, right. instead of seeing the safety, the safety parts of it. Right, right. And, and when, when you started doing it, you just kind of fell in love with it? Yeah. Um, after being in the water and swimming, it, it kind of turned me off to land events. Um, so running and sweating and dirt and this, I was just like, I can't bother. <laughs> um, and I started to love the water at a young age. Um, we did try different things, track and field, tennis. Um, but during the summers, that's where we tried it. And I think at about six or seven, I was like, no, I, th I think I like swimming and I want to stick with it. Mm. I guess I just thought of another minority. You're a breaststroker too. I mean, you, you got to be born a breaststroker, right? You can't be. You can't be made a breaststroker. That's right. <laughs> You're a <board. laughs> 
So was um, it, I mean, you did start in, in freestyle and a bit of butterfly as well, like you said, but mm-hmm. when did the breaststroke start to really take place? I think I was about 13. Um, and my coach put me in a breaststroke event and I did fairly well. Um, and I remember all the things he tried to teach me <laughs> in my preteens that I just did not understand. And when I hit 13, 14, for some reason, it just clicked and I started to understand what he was trying to say. I started to understand the rhythm and how my body propelled through the water. Um, and after 14, it was majority breaststroke and fly. Oh, okay. Now, did This is in Florida. So at, at some point, did your family move to Florida or was it just you that moved? No, it was a whole family migration. Um, we moved in my teenage years. Um, so yeah, it was, everybody just moved up. It was a whole switch. It wasn't because of swimming or schooling or anything like that. It was just a family oh. decision. Oh, really? And, and the family stayed there ever since? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Do you get back to Jamaica much yourself? Yeah, I try to go back about two or three times a year um, with COVID that has put a huge halt on that. But usually it's about two or three times a year, um, trying to swim clinics, um, try and get some sort of media out there for swimming. So when I do continue on like I am doing now, swimming won't be just a ghost sport. Um, We'll have more representation. Um, the public will be used to seeing more swimming results and understand it and, and try and follow some of the local swimmers as well. Um, so, yeah, that's usually what I've been trying to do for the last couple of years. I did see somewhere where, where you talked about your retirement and you had talked about the fact that you felt like you could make a bigger impact away from the sport now than you could in the sport. Um, I, I certainly want to talk more about your swimming career, but just in terms of where you're at now, what, what do you feel like you can bring to the sport? Well, especially after my 30s, I felt I had more experience to give and I didn't have the time to do it. With swimming and training and uh, going around for the different meets, I didn't have the time to sit down and actually share that information. Um, A lot of the upper level meets, we didn't have the numbers going. We had maybe me and maybe another boy. Um, Hopefully, if we were good, we'd have two girls and two boys, but that wasn't enough to share the information. Um, so I wanted more time to grow a swimming, a swimming, not clinic, but a swimming program of educating the young ones, um, having water prevention, water safety and drowning prevention um, and have the time to do that and actually implement it in Jamaica, in the Caribbean, in the African nations and all over where minor- or swimming is still a minority and drowning is a risk. Mm. Um, so I think that's where I thought I, with my name already out there for swimming and representing Jamaica, um, maybe I can use this name to propel me to different avenues of, of water prevention and allow me access into the country and um, just use my name for good, basically. Yeah, well, um, I absolutely think you can. I think you need to as well. I, I do see a need in, in there as well. Um, I was lucky enough to actually represent the Bahamas at the uh, 2012 Olympics mm-hmm. with uh, Ariana Vanderpool Wallace. And, um, and, and I, I've been back there and... and and seeing the impact that, you know, she had in her country. And um, do you feel that's that same impact in Jamaica? Have you felt like you've made some progress? Honestly, yes and no. Um, yes, because swimming has become more popular. We've had more learn to swim programs. We've had more people getting their children in the water. Um, hopefully not just to see them rise, rise as a swimmer, but more um, safety precautions. Um, and hopefully they themselves as an adult get in the water as well. But I say no for the fact that Ariana is a great example. She came on the scene. She got her A cut. 
And if you know from Jamaica swimming or Caribbean swimming or any swimming, if you have an A cut, then um, you have to have a fast enough B cut. There's no mm -hmm. universality. So what she did by getting her A cut, she pushed all the other female swimmers to try even harder and to mm -hmm. raise the bar. And we saw that when Joanna Evans came out in that 400 free and we see her continually pushing Bahamas after Ariana has retired. I didn't see that for myself in, in Jamaica swimming. Um, I hope that same scenario would have blossomed. But then again, we'll also have a younger um, field. Right now we'll have maybe 18 and under is our closest girl. So there is a gap in Jamaica swimming. Um, but I had hoped that when I retired, I would have had somebody coming on, um, following in my footsteps, basically. Um, so Jamaica would always be represented like a, I've seen in uh, Bahamas and Trinidad. Yeah, well... Well, I was just thinking as you were talking, like, I know people, you know people. I mean, I, I know George Bavel, I know Ariana, I know um, Elvis, you know, mm -hmm. from the Bahamas, uh, yourself. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of uh, cricket, let's say, right? Cricket, they represent the West <laughs> Indies, you know? They represent the West Indies. So why don't we get a West Indies swim team yeah. together here? Why don't we come together here and work together and, mm -hmm. and figure out this Caribbean swimming situation? So I have been in the works for about eight to nine months, um, talking with the different federations, talking with the different athletes to see if it was something feasible. Mm. So when I retire, um, the hope is to try and get on the FINA board. And with the FINA board, I'll have more access to knowledge of what we can do in the Caribbean um, and what we can, in, um, what we can build. Um, the idea is to have some sort of CARICOM games uh, mm -hmm. where we can have that set of, of cutoff points and we can have those athletes. So we can have more of a number at these like world short course. Um, we can have that relays, we can have that mixed relays now um, that really does suit us a little bit better. Um, the idea is to, very very similar to the cricket, um, the, mm -hmm. the, the world, the cricket, yeah. Um, the West Indies, thank you. But the idea does come in, where do we develop or in our countries specifically um, by bringing the little ones for experience, bringing the ones and watch them grow up, whereas taking away that possibility of universality for them and having them sacrifice that so we can have that CARICOM. Because um, we already have Joanna and um, Dylan as ACOTs, so everybody else would have to step up that line. So is it going to be something like the Bahamas that they step up or Jamaica where we see a, a fallout? Um, so it, it's, it's a big conversation to have, um, but it really depends on the other countries and where they want to see Caribbean swimming going. Right, right. Um, you ended up swimming at Texas A&M with, was it, with Steve Boltman? Was he the head yeah. coach then? Okay. Yeah. Why did you end up uh, heading out to Texas? I looked at the schools um, and I wanted a small school, um, not somewhere in the city, um, somewhere more country. And I wanted a place where I could feel at home and um I could feel like I could talk to the coach. Um, I was very young. I was 16. So I definitely took a gap year. But because of that, not a lot of coaches actually came and spoke to me because they mm -hmm. thought I had another year. So Steve was one of them that came out of the three. And out of the three, he was the one that I really felt if I saw him on the pool deck after everything was done, I would feel bad for not going to his program. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that was my, my deciding vote. Um, I love the girls. I love the school. Um, so it really went down to the coach and how I could communicate with him. And I felt Steve was the best choice. Steve's a good man. And mm -hmm. uh, you did make a great choice. You were very successful there. Actually, yeah. the success that you had, surprisingly, was in the 200 breaststroke. You won NCAAs. What, what happened there? So Steve is a miracle worker. He believes that <laughs> the 
no person is a sprinter and solely a sprinter. <laughs> so coming in as a 50, no, coming in as a 100 breaststroker and 50 freestyler, as I did for 2004 Olympics, he was like, no, you are more. <laughs> so I was trained in um, freshman year, I did 100 breasts and 53 and 200 breasts. Sophomore year was 100 breasts, 200 breasts and 100 fly. And senior and junior year was 50 breasts, 100 breasts and 200 IM. Mm. So he really pushed a person to see how much that, they, how much, how much do they have? Um, and it was great because growing up, I had that foundation anyway, from going to the different um, sport um, disciplines, but Steve really just groomed me into that 200 swimmer. Um, my 200 free got better. My 200 IM got better and my 200 breasts. And sadly, um, and it was many reasons for freshman 15 and other weight issues, <laughs> but the sprint just kind of took a, took a step back. Um, so I was really grateful for that endurance in that 200 breaststroke, um, cause that's the one that came, came out on top. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, that was, that was a good one, but I, I see it disappeared after that, after college, <laughs> never again. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> after college, I definitely wanted, cause it was two years till 2012 Olympics and I wanted to get back that speed cause I realized my hundred and my 50 was lacking. Right. Um, so I really wanted to get back that speed. So we worked more on that fast switch, uh, more sprinting, more running and stuff like that. And my free my, my sprint came right back. Um, so we started working more on that hundred free and that hundred fly and that hundred breasts. Mm -hmm. um, the two hundred was still around for maybe about another four years. I saw it in short course with that two seventeen. Right. So it was still there. Um, but after twenty sixteen, that was one of the things that went up on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk about your speed. I mean, you're still the world record holder, correct? Short course in the yes. fifty and the hundred. Yes. Um, incredibly you you tied the world record twice that's pretty that's pretty awesome that uh is it frustrating though that you just didn't go one 100 faster I mean, every time i think about that i said why didn't i go one 100 faster i also <laughs> thought about it i could have gone 100 slower so i'm yeah, like you know what true. just take it true true i'd like to introduce our newest sponsor swim angelfish Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. Well, in terms of speed and breaststroke, let, let me talk about breaststroke because it's, I've said this many times on the podcast, it's not a stroke that I um, connect with very well. So like anytime I speak to a breaststroker, I'm like, all right, explain to me. Um, <laughs> so, so in terms of your breaststroke, when it's at its best, what are you doing well? Can you just talk to me about some specific things? So breaststroke is one of those events um, or disciplines that is very personalized. So you you can't copy anybody's stroke. I can't mm -hmm. copy Ilya's or Adam Peters or Ruta's mm -hmm. or, or Tatiana's. I can't because mm -hmm. it would not be beneficial for me. So the best thing that I learned at the height of my career is when I understood my breaststroke and how it works for me. Um, for me, in the height of my career, it was more about speed and tempo and trying to get my hips up. Mm -hmm. um, so I do have those thighs, but it does work well for me for one, getting off the walls and two, keeping up with the tempo of my shoulders. Um, so when I, I realized that I'm tired or later in my career, that the, the arms could still keep the tempo, but my legs could not. 
<laughs> um, and that's the main difference I saw um, around 20, 23, 24, 25. The tempo of the arms and the legs were spot on. Um, and I think you can definitely see it in that 50 um, as well. But for me, it's one, keeping tempo, keeping speed, but also holding the rhythm. Um, and when you, when you get it all together slowly, that's when you can really do it fast. Because not a lot of people can hold it for the speed, for the tempo when they're going fast with fins or whatever. But when you take it off and you actually go slow and you hold the rhythm, then you actually feel the actual elongation of the stroke. You feel the hips and the head. You actually feel your body more, not of a seesaw, but you feel that give mm. and take in the breaststroke. Um, and that's what I love about it. And when you get a little bit faster, then you see where what falls off for first. And that's what you work on. Where did you, how did you train it then in terms of, um, did you break it down into pull and kick or just timing and rhythm or length or how did you break it up into your training? We did mostly timing and length. Um, so we tried to do more of the weighted stuff. So having the parachutes and mm. trying to keep that same tempo and stroke count for, for 25. Um, but also we worked more of it on land. So we did more hills, running up the hills for the same equivalent time of what, um, the 50 or 100 would be, um, and also a lot of 12.0, 13.0 um, sprints on, this, on the treadmill to make sure that my body keeps up and be, is able to keep up with that fast tempo. And what I learned when I was doing that was when I transitioned it into swimming, I was able to keep that fast tempo a little bit quicker, and I, mm. I found the fatigue um, just slowly dwindling down. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, that's that's good. I like that. Um, I just talked to Nick Santos about his longevity. I mean, winning a world title at 41 years old um, and kind of the shifts and changes that he, he made. And, yeah. and part of it, the, the growth that he said is he learned about his body and he realized when he had to make those changes at the appropriate times, he did that. Is that something that was similar to you? I imagine back at A&M with Steve, you're, you're doing a lot of yardage. Mm -hmm. As your career went on, did you have to make those personal adjustments yourself? Yes. Um, I think that was the hardest part for me. Um, when I graduated at 21, 22, it was more of I'm still able to do all that yardage. So I was able to do that, but fine tune it more into like a sprint versus 200. Mm. And then as I got older into my later 20s, it was, do I need to do this? Can I just do it in a quality versus quantity type of thing? And that I, I don't think I got it at all. I don't, I, I would love to know what Santos does, but I, I, I never got it. I never realized what rest would equal to versus yardage. Um, how much rest do I get? Cause I would always feel fatigued if I take too much rest, hmm. but then if I kept on going, then my body wouldn't be able to recover. So I never found that fine line, um, about what to do. Really? That's interesting. For someone that had so much success over such a long period of time, you felt like you never were really uh, at 100% or on point or feeling amazing at, at any particular time. No. And you could see it if you look back at the, the the positioning and the times. It was very sporadic. Um, when I did a really great time, I had no idea that's what I was going to do when I jumped in. And days when I feel really good, it's completely slow and more of a 200 pace, actually. Mm. Um, I couldn't know what I was going to do beforehand. And when I was younger, younger, 25, 26, I was able to feel that before I got in. I was able to feel that fast stretch. I was able to feel the energy and know what I would be able to produce around. Um, but later 30s, later 29s and 30s, it was just, all right, let's see what we're going to do. Let's have some fun. Did you make 
were you making changes and or constantly changing or were you just doing the same program and expecting different results what was it for you no um i think it was after every olympic cycle i think we we decided to sit down and change and see what we're going to do find right. out what your plan is right. um and see what we're going to change after 2016 um i was 27 28 um we sat down and said all right are we going for 2020 if so what are we going to do and i don't think i had plans to go to 2020 then so I, it was more of a one-year plan and see what happens after worlds and in commonwealth and then so forth but yeah we changed it up a bit um it wasn't more of quantity it was more of um rehab or or taking it easy in the mornings and then seeing what we can do and then in the afternoons more of a 3000 um pace type stuff mm. um and just really trying to get those fast switch muscles maybe not for a 25 but like a 12 and a half now um so yeah we definitely changed it up and i definitely felt a difference and i felt like my body was in the best shape it could at that time but that that resting and and feeling of of fatigue i i couldn't find a good way out of it uh, uh, you're with um, your coach, Chris, right? Christopher Anderson, yeah. yeah Chris, Chris, Chris Anderson for a while. Like, uh, when did you start with him and when did it end? Um. So when I moved up, so I was about 13, 14. I went with him because he was the closest pool where we had moved. Um, right. We just happened to, to go there. Um. And after that, I went to Steve for about the four years, and then mm -hmm. I actually came back. So the main reason for going back is that financially, we I couldn't afford anywhere else. Um, financially, with the suits and training fees, I could barely afford that, much less with the rent of going somewhere else. Um, it wasn't feasible. So I had to go back to where we were. Um, so I started training back at the age group program. And it worked for a while. It was really great. Um, and then towards the end, it was more of, this is the first time he's had somebody who's been in their late twenties as a as a as a swimmer, um, and it's the first time I've been in this um, in this position. So it was more of just learning together, um, and I, I enjoyed it for the most part because it wasn't just swimmer and coach; it was friend and friend trying to learn this whole situation out. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I was with him until I finished in December. <laughs> in terms of. Um you know, you talked about the struggle and uh, the, the money situation. I mean, the, the struggle is real for most swimmers. Once they get out of college, it's difficult, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the ISL and things like this have certainly helped recently. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of just you being you and where, where you came from, was it, was it better or worse or you didn't really notice any difference? Like, was there discrimination for you or did you feel like being – a black woman who's very successful helped you in any way? I don't know. You can tell me. Um, so not really. Um, I thought growing up I was in limbo. Um, I wasn't living in Jamaica, so the, the sponsorship and stuff were very limited. Right. And also because I was training in the U.S., um, the sponsorship was also limited because I was told that we didn't want to sponsor anybody who's technically swimming against the U.S. Um, so I was. it was really hard to find sponsors. Um, so I was really happy when Speedo came aboard, Speedo International. So that definitely helped out with the suits as well. And I have Grace Kennedy from Jamaica who has stayed with me from, I started in 2013 till recently. So besides those two, um, we couldn't find anybody else who would, who would take me on as an ambassador for their company. Um, so yeah, after that, it was mostly just World Cups, um, and traveling World Cups and trying to see if I can make financial 
um, the best financial choices I could for World Cups. Um, and that's really where I got all my money um, and finances to help boost me into the rest of my career. But it was really difficult because nobody really took me serious until probably about 2014 um, when I got that first world record. Did you have uh, management? Have you had management? Yes, um, we tried with the local management. Um, the same issue came up with all the things had to be in Jamaica or um, somewhere else. We tried with international or US ones um, and they said swimming is such a low sport and you're a minority in this sport and we don't want to represent you. Um, so it basically turned into home. So I had family support. Um, I have my aunt in Jamaica who does all the local Jamaica contacts who keeps me um, with the interviews and trying to look out for sponsorship. And we've gotten some throughout the years, um, which were great and advertisements and stuff like that. Um, and I have my mother who does international ones, who gets the contacts from World Cups and all over the world, swim clinics from all over the world um, and just helps bring that in. Because um, it really is a lot if I had to do it on my own. It's it's a lot for sure, and I'm I'm glad you had some family to help you because even that's difficult to navigate at times. But um... Destro Swim Towers gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save one hundred and fifty dollars per double swim tower by using code Brett B R E T T at checkout. DestroMachines.com. Did you ever feel like? Um, you know, it was a losing battle. Did you, ever, did, did you or your family ever say to you like, Hey, maybe it's time to stop now. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, why are we doing this? Why are we continuing to, to, to fight this? Is it, was it that tough at, at any point? Luckily enough, I have the type of family that said, Alia, when you're ready, <laughs> we're ready. Right. Um, so if you're not, then we're in it with you. Um, so if they felt that way, they never shared it with me, which I'm really <laughs> grateful for. But, um, yeah, I definitely felt like when I was finished, we were all finished. When I finished uh, my last race, it was more of we all took that weight off our shoulders. Um, they never allowed me to feel it on my own, which was really great. How do you know when you're finished? For me, um, I didn't. I never had any injuries. 2006, the, the meet that you were at in Melbourne was actually my last championship. Oh. Um, I, I just felt like I traveled the world. I felt like I was getting older. People were staying the same age. Like I was traveling with, you know, 16, 17 year old kids and I'm 30, you know, 31 years old. Yeah. Like, why am I doing this? But, um, but I was part of an Australian team. You, you, you're a little bit more isolated, um, being, you know, part of the Jamaican team, you can kind of do your own thing a little bit more, but, um, yeah. was there injury for you or did you just feel like, no, I've, I've had enough now? I made sure to tell myself if I ever had an injury that required surgery, I would be done because mm. I would not put my body through that. So happily, I, I never I never reached that point. I had a few injuries throughout the years, but they, they weren't anything too serious. Um, so yeah, so it was an injury. Um, it, it was more of just a lingering feeling. After 2018, I think I had that feeling like, okay, um, it's getting tougher to go into practice. It's getting tougher to decide um, should I do this or should I go to practice? Um, the other life of what I could lead became more enticing. Um, and that's something I denied myself for how many years now? Um, of just seeing what else I could do. I was never really that person that can um, take two weeks off and do what they need to do or, or travel or do this. Because um, I felt like I would be really lazy and it would be harder for me to come back. Um, so I've been pretty diligent with, with having limited amount of outside world things um so for me it was it was more of the outside world stuff seemed more 
enticing than going into practices. Um, and I realized what I was going to do, because if I was going to continue swimming, I wouldn't do it half-heartedly. I wanted to 100% be in it, um, wanted to be at practice, wanted to do this. Um, and as 2018, 2019 came about, it was more, all right, let's go. <laughs> Rather than the, okay, this is something I want to do. And then after 2020 hit, I was like, okay, this is wrapping up. This is, yeah. I mean, you had talked about, uh, I'd seen where you talked about some of the new kids on the block coming on through. And um, I mean, did you feel like you were losing some competitive edge at all, maybe physically or mentally? I don't know. Um, it was great because I've seen so many breaststrokers in my career. Um, Jessica Hardy, Rebecca Sony, Ruta, mm. Lily, like I've been through so many. Um, so for another person to come on the scene, it wasn't really that much of a, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing something. It was more of, okay, let's see what I still have kind of thing. Right. Um, and it, it went back to that sporadic feeling as well, though. Um, I couldn't control what each race was going to be. So it was more of, all right, Alia, let's see what's going to, what's going to happen in this race rather than who I'm, who I'm racing type of deal. Right, yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, what type of competitor were you? You know, you, like you said, you've been through kind of everybody. So when you get to a world championship final, um, what's your mentality at that point? In my 20s, it was more of um, executing a good race, um, making sure that the dives are great, the pullouts are great, um, that third 25 and bringing it home. Um, seeing the things that I can control in the race and actually um, doing my best to make it happen. In the latter parts, it was more of, all right, Alia, <laughs> let's do this. Um, you're excited. You made it to finals. You made it through the rounds. Um, let's have a good race. Make sure that when you finish, you'll be like, all right, you did your best. <laughs> um, and that, that's the only way I could feel contentment after the races. You seem like a happy person. You seem like somebody that's always smiling, that's very friendly with their competitors. But like, mm. is there is there something darker underneath there? Like, is there? Do you have a chip on your shoulder or any, anything? Or like, is there anything like you know? I don't know. Ariana can get that way. I'm telling you, that girl she she can turn mean. Is Woo. there a mean side of you? Woo! <laughs> um, I'm sure people have seen it. Um, they haven't really told me. They just step away. <laughs> but um, yeah, I had a chip on my shoulder for a long time, um, just with finances, right. um, listening and hearing about um, people who have a, a different suit every every race. And here I am trying to scrap up 500 bucks for a suit um, that I have to swim for like four races um, and then four more meets after that. But yeah, I had a chip for a long time. Um, and I had to realize that we are in different circumstances. Um, the way I swim is not, yes, it's for, it's for, um, entitlement. Yes. It's for that, that feeling of financial and, um, financial gain. Um, but it's not to see what I could do. It's to see what Jamaica can do and Jamaica swimming can do and how far could I reach with literally just, just my talent. Um, with the, the, the health stuff, with nutritionists. And the more I learned about other countries, the more the chip got bigger. So I just <laughs> I just, I just just stopped listening. <laughs> and I just stayed to my corner and be like, no, this is what we have. This is what we're working with. So. Yeah. Yeah. When we were, when we were at the um, 2012 Olympics, it was, from memory, I think it was 27 athletes um, were representing the Bahamas. And 26 of them were track and field. And then it was one swimmer, one coach. And so 
I definitely felt that yeah. isolation of like, man, she's she's really got the chips against her here, you know, like it's yeah. this not only are you competing against these girls that are talented, these countries that have, you know, it's just like it seems larger, you know, the the task, let's say, the task of being a world champion, being a world record holder seems greater for you than it would a, a norm someone else, let's say from Australia. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. The task to succeed and to win seemed like such a long road. Um, it felt like others had a boost um, mm -hmm. or a stepping stone or a little help. Um, and it felt like I was just thrown in and said, all right, reach to the other side. Um, but yeah, I think probably that's why I stayed in the sport for so long. Um, I actually spoke with Sean Brin. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Yeah, I know Sean, yeah. Yeah, so I spoke to him in maybe 2014, 2015, um, and he's swam for Jamaica. He's Jamaican, so he swam for Jamaica all the years. And then I think the latter part of his career, he switched to the UK, if I'm not mistaken. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he said it was such a difference because UK, everything was given. Um, the suits, the coaching, um, the physio, everything was just given to him. And he said it was actually a change of mentality. He wasn't that hungry anymore. He mm. didn't have that fight like a scared cat put into a... a, a a big ring of other cats. He didn't feel that fight to succeed. Mm. Um, and it was interesting because I, I always wondered what it would be like. So to have somebody say that, that has gone through it and has known Jamaican swimming and has been to the other side, Jamaican swimming and, and other countries like this definitely gives the athletes that need to succeed, um, right. that hunger to succeed. And I don't know if other countries have it. It's more of just an, in, an individual, let me see what I can do type of thing. But this one was more of like an essential need <laughs> to prove myself and succeed. Yeah, absolutely. What 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 about the psychology of it then? Uh, that's an interesting point. I mean, you studied psychology in in college, uh, from mm -hmm. what I could tell. I did too, and um, we we both know that that plays a big part in this. So, in terms of uh, psychology for you, when you were at your best, what were the things that you were doing well um, psychologically? So when I was at my best, I know for sure confidence levels were high. Um, it was more of, I can do this, not, oh, well, can I? Or if I can, it was, I can. Mm. Um, and I could, I, I could basically feed and shut off that little voice in your head that, that comes up with the ifs and the doubts. Um, I could hold it under control. Mm. Um, and as you get, uh, I could see the difference from when I was younger and how that played a part. Um, so that was probably one of the bigger the bigger parts. Um, and the confidence came with just the the, the winning um, and knowing where I am and knowing how I'm going to feel before I actually swim the race, um, as I uh, alluded to before. So yeah, it does have that, that play of confidence building. Um, that was one. Two, I just felt stronger. Um, the body just felt ready to see what it can do. Mm. Um, and yes, it does play well with the mentality part as well, but it was just ready. It's kind of like you, you, you <laughs> this is a weird analogy, <laughs> but if you have a fruit and you squeeze it and it was just ready to burst, I was mm. just ready to go. And now it's more of just like an avocado and you have to shake it and be like, is it ready? I don't know. It's <laughs> a little bit. Oh yeah. Okay. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense to me. I like avocado. I do that all the time. Like you ready? Are like, you ready? <laughs> <laughs> Looking to host your first swim meet or replacing an old timing system? Run a swim meet with ease from your laptop using superior swim timing. You can use superior swim timing with your existing equipment, or they can provide you with a complete timing solution, including deck harnesses, 
buttons and starter. SST is fully compatible with HiTech and Team Unify, as well as Colorado, Dactronics, and Amiga touchpads. Go to superiorswimtiming.com to learn more and be sure to tell them I sent you. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah that makes sense. I mean, but it does. The confidence comes from, you know, your training, first of all. Confidence comes from your racing. Um, it, it does seem like there's a lot more racing on the calendar now. That's that's a good thing, isn't it? You know, for, for yeah. swimmers, for swimming, I, I believe that racing, you can race into confidence. You can race into form. Did you feel like the racing helped you? Yes, you can definitely race into form. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the World Cups and having, what, nine different countries within two or three months. Um, I enjoyed it tremendously. And I definitely know that helped into getting those world records by the end of the year or just fine-tuning the little things that I needed to fine-tune. Um, it was a lot of practice, fast practice, basically. And now there's so many opportunities, um, which is good and bad. I've heard many different things of how we're going to plan it into an actual year. Um, next year is uh, Worlds, Europeans, Commonwealth, ISL, World Cups, and World Short Course again. And I know I'm forgetting a lot of other stuff. Um, but it, it definitely does allow the athlete to take their, take their training in their own hands. Um, saying this is what I want to do, these are the meets I want to do, and actually plan out a whole year um, and, and having that expertise. Yeah, there's less breaks after August, um, but I, it's it's interesting to see how it will work out this year um, and see what, what athletes choose what meets um, and who will be in better shape versus not at certain meets. Do you think uh, this year at any point you'll have regrets that you're not swimming? I don't know. Um Sometimes during the days, I feel like, um, what's the word? Not disbelief. I feel like I should be doing something. I feel like I'm letting myself down. Like I should be doing something right now. I'm like, no, I'm not swimming anymore. <laughs> There's nothing I should be doing. Um, but hopefully as days go on, I, I feel like that, that feeling will go away. Hopefully. That paranoia will disappear. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> what, what do you do for fitness now? How do you keep fit? You don't get in the water, do you? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Luckily, it's only been three weeks. Um, so what I'm seeing now is more of just the body changing, um, the muscle tone and stuff changing. Um, so I'll probably look into that for probably February, and then we'll start up like an in-home <laughs> gym <laughs> and yeah. see what happens there. Yeah. But yeah, there's nothing really on the plan. More of just re joints and ligaments that I've used a lot stay stay somewhat short, um, strong. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see from there. I try. Talk to me about. Oh yeah, what's, absolutely. What's um, I was going to say, talk to me about the last meet then, World Short Course. What the hell was going on out there with all the DQs? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. <sighs> that was a weird one. Um, that was a weird meet, just with the COVID regulations um, and the the meet and the officials and how everything was run and things were actually behind, which is the first time I've I've seen at a FINA meet. Um, it was a very strange meet. Yeah. Did you get uh, any official um, notification? Did, did someone come to you and tell you why they DQ'd you in the 50 breast? Nope. Really? Which is weird. Yeah. It's so strange. Usually they come to you right there and say, Ali, you've been so-and-so. And so that not one word. My coach had to go and hunt down an official. Um, and then the official had to come and then they had to speak about it. But there was what no was the, actual well, What was the word they gave you? Why'd they DQ you? They said a downward kick, I think. At the end, 
at the finish kind of thing. Yeah, I think they were I think they were getting a lot of people for that, like diving at the finish in breaststroke, yeah. coming up. Yeah. But yeah. Don't you feel like you would have touched the wall before you came down? I'm pretty sure I did. Um but now they said that they have the underwater camera and in addition to the underwater camera, they have um they put it really slow frame. So it's like a tip, 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 tip. Mm. So they have like 16 pictures for one second. Um, so that's probably why it was taking so long with the, the time frame as well. Um, it took about five to 10 minutes after my race to actually bring up the disqualification. But it was so, I thought, I don't know. I don't know. But yes, um, it was definitely something new, um, something that should have been discussed and, and showed and said to all the athletes, look, this is something we're doing, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, it was it was weird, all the disqualifications. You were fourth in the 100. Did you feel in the 50 you were in a position to win a medal? Yeah, I felt, um, especially coming, had definitely set in. Um, so the 50, I definitely had more of a, of a sprint left um, mm. for the two laps, whereas 100, um, even though I was still strong, the last 12 and a half to 25, I could definitely feel the fatigue setting in. But um, yeah, the 50, who knows? Who knows? I feel like it would have been a better shot, but. Well, what's your advice then for people, for, for women that want to swim, uh, you know, for an extended period of time, you know, do you have any kind of lessons learned along the way uh, females um yes i think for females growing up up until about 21 you definitely have to learn your confidence learn who you are learn what type of um, athlete you are and what actually works for you um but in addition to that you definitely have to know what your strengths are and definitely know what your weaknesses are know um know how to play around them and make your weaknesses work for your benefit, uh, which is something that I've learned for sure. Um, sport, because definitely having that that goal to drive to do something, um, it will push you and generate and push you towards all those different life changes that may come about in your twenties. Um, and to hold true, because you definitely learn who you are, and it's somebody it's somebody completely different than your your teens. Um, so know who you are, learn and enjoy that process of learning who you are as a person and as a swimmer. Um, and yeah, have fun with it. It definitely does go by very quickly. Um, you mm. may not feel like that at the time, but looking back, it went by really quick. Yeah. Um, so enjoy every success, enjoy every challenge and setback um, and enjoy getting over it. Good advice. I appreciate that. So are we, are we expecting you on the FINA board or the ISC board? Which one's going to come first? Hopefully the FINA board nomination starts soon. So at World, you'll be able to vote for me. Um, so that will okay. be good. Um, um, but yeah, hopefully that will come about. So that's what they do then? They they put the nominations in and then at the World Championships, athletes get to vote as well? Yeah. So nominations start in January. And then at the FINA, at the World Championships in May, the swimming body gets to vote. Um, so that's why you always see people standing out in front and say, come vote for me, vote for me. Uh -huh. Um, so how yeah. many nominations are there and how many people get in? That is a very good question. Okay. Um, when you get nominated, I feel like they give you all that information, but I can't right. find information beforehand. Right. Well, let's get you nominated. Let's get you in this thing. Everybody out there yeah. vote for, yeah, come on, let's go. Um, mm -hmm. all right. Last question. What's your favorite mm -hmm. Jamaican food? 
Ooh, my mother's home cooking. Um, <laughs> Everybody says that. Basic, I mean, <laughs> really. Yeah, just about, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very Jamaican thing to say. My mother's home cooking. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> they are good. Yeah. They're all good. I've, not, I've, had, I've yet to have a bad Jamaican meal. That's why I'm like, mm -hmm. which, so what's the dish then? What's the dish for you? Your mother's dish. Oh, my gosh. It depends on the season. Um. She makes really good soups, uh, pumpkin soups, um, chicken pumpkin soup, um, red pea soup, all Jamaican locals, um, the, the Christmas ham, oh my lord, um, and just like brown stew chicken, jerk chicken, oh, there's so many, I can't choose. Jerk chicken's good, I, like, mm -hmm. I love some side of the road jerk chicken, but, but I'm an oxtail guy, I love the oxtail. Are you? Oh yeah, all day long, oh, god, nice. I love oxtail. And dumplings, oh. I love the dumplings. <laughs> That's pretty good. Plantain, fried fried plantain. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. Can't go wrong with that either. So love my Jamaican food. I could I could <laughs> eat it every day just like you. Red pea, red peas and rice. Uh, uh you know, all of it. So you're lucky. You came from a uh, good oh, yeah. culture, very good culture, good food. But I know it for sure. <laughs> I don't know if it's the best for uh athlete uh training, you know, trying to put a suit on. I don't know if that's the best food, but <laughs> everything in moderation yeah that's it exactly <laughs> uh well listen hey congratulations on an outstanding career you should be extremely proud of it like i said you accomplished so many things you overcame so many things and we're just successful in so many different areas so um i'm a huge fan congratulations thanks for doing this today and um good luck with uh, everything else you got going on okay thank you very much i appreciate it absolutely take care okay bye thank you for bye. having me event heat lane name of swimmer times and places it's called swim nerd live and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart tv phone or other device there are so many things you can do with this software a very simple and easy to use necessity for any team or facility that is live streaming their meets results one click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more.